0: As we have been doing the series on compromise, I think last two weeks we gave a comprehensive introduction to the topic compromise. Church compromising its values with the world. Now as we keep telling, since the inception of the church... Or since Jesus spoke that I'm going to build my church on this rock and gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Satan has been very particular that he want to he would like to destroy the church of God. In the first week we talked about some of his strategies Satan is dis- deploying today. And of course he did that in the past and even he is doing that today. And we also reasoned why do churches compromise? We also talked about the urgency or the importance of the topic compromise. And we learned to understand corruption came into the church or church started compromising with its surroundings even at the very early age, even at the beginning of the church. The compromise that is going on in churches today it has not happened all of a sudden. It has been the trend of Christianity over a period of time even right from day one when the church started. And we saw Jesus spoke about church compromising with the world in his teachings. And Paul wrote about compromising, church compromising with the world as he was writing to the churches in his epistles. John wrote about the compromising, the compromising nature of a church of one of the churches in the book of Revelation, the church of Pergamos. Which was in fact called the compromised church. And history records this as Constantine, he married church with the world. So we see church... Has been compromising with the world right from day one and history records the evidence of church compromising with the world. And last week we dealt with one of John's writings as he was addressing his letter to the church of Pergamos. One of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Pergamos was called a compromised church. And if you remember last week we talked about this God had three good things to tell about this church of Pergamos, And one bad thing The church of Pergamos was appreciated by God Almighty For its, its faith The circumstances of its faith Secondly the conviction of its faith Thirdly the courage of its faith God appreciated this church for these three things And God was condemning this church For one thing that the church couldn't do That, that was the church was compromising its faith And if you remember God said You have, these, you have, you have there who uh, hold the doctrine of Balaam and we talked about in detail what was the what is doctrine of Balaam. Doctrine of Balaam was if you cannot curse, corrupt their mind. You know that was the doctrine of Balaam. And what of God? As what of God says, you have some of the people those who are following the doctrine of Balaam in your church. And God also said you have those who hold the doctrine of Nicolaitans. And the doctrine of Nicolaitan teaches that the deeds of the flesh has no effect upon the soul or the healthiness of the soul And it has no relation to salvation. So it in fact gives us the license to continue to remain in sin because the doctrine of Nicolaitans teaches that whatever you do outwardly it has no impact on the healthiness of your soul. And God was looking into the church of Pergamos and he found out there are few in the church they are still following the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And you know what God said as he was writing to the church of Pergamos? He said, repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. You know, that was the punishment or that was the warning God was giving to the church of Pergamos. So compromise is not new to the church. It was found... In the early church even at the day one when the church was established on the face of this earth And we talked about Jesus and Paul's teachings on compromise The compromise one was a compromise of one of the early churches we talked about And today we are going to see what the history records about the compromise of the early church Even history records about the compromise of the early church And today's topic is going to be very important, I believe, as because it, it's, it's going to be an eye-opener for many of us. Some of us know about it, but then probably would not have put those things together to learn, but then I believe it's a good opportunity to listen to this and I want you to listen to me carefully as I read some of the snippets of some of the articles because we are going to talk about some of the historical evidence or recordings. Early Christianity was persecuted by Roman emperors. The persecution started in the year AD 64 under Nero, one of the Roman emperors. During the time of Nero, AD 64 to AD 68, Peter and Paul was they were martyred. Peter and Paul were martyred. In AD 156, It's, you know, 156 years after Jesus Christ. In the city of Smyrna, Smyrna is one another church in the book of Revelation. Smyrna, one of the bishops of the early church called Bishop Polycarp, he was martyred. Polycarp, at the age of 86, he marched into the amphitheater where he was burned alive at stake for the sake of Christ. The persecution continued up to AD three hundred and twenty-four by ten different Roman emperors, ten persecutors. The persecution of Nero, it started with persecution of Nero in AD sixty four and continued by Domitian and Trajan, Hadrian, Marcus and Septimus, Maximus, and Dacius, Valerian, and finally the persecution ended with the Diocletian. The last Roman Emperor, by name Diocletian, he continued the persecution for 10 long years. Church of God was totally destroyed, completely persecuted by all these 10 Roman Emperors by the year AD 324. After Diocletian, Constantine came into power. In the night before, Constantine came into power he saw a vision in the shape of a cross and the cross was bearing the inscriptions in Latin in hoc it says in hoc signo vincese in hoc signo vincese which means by this sign conquer by this sign conquer you know that was the visions he saw and that was the inscription written on the cross and that night constantine he bargained with satan to join the church and he declared himself as christian constantine declared himself as christian christianity said emperor constantine was to be the religion of the state and christian leaders were invited to watch the wholesale baptism of entire regiments of soldiers in constantine's army constantine was forcing every one of them to take baptism at sword point if you don't take baptism You are dead and he started killing people those who refused to take baptism so there was a mass baptism going on people were baptized without knowing what they are doing so that started an unholy alliance of the church with the state now in the early part of the third century around AD 312 to 590 the Pergamum church as we know was married with the world church and state they were united true believers who had been previously persecuted as they were refusing to bow down before the idols you know they were called into the church back and they started worshipping the political and the civil authorities at this state Constantine assumed the leadership of the church at that point of time heathenism was gradually brought into the Christian churches pagan temples became Christian churches heathen festivals were converted into Christian festivals one by one even pagan priests they slipped into the offices and became Christian priests all idols in the temple like idols of Venus and Jupiter and Mercury were turned into the images of saints Idols were named after so-called Christian saints. The true Christian believers, once those who were persecuted for their faith and rejected to bow down before the idols, now they are bowing down before the statue of the Roman emperors and now become idol worshippers in the name of the Lord. Now that's how the paganism got mixed into Christianity with the churches with the church Constantine was carried in a golden throne and as he presided over the council he was recognized as the leader of the church you know with all the professions and pop there was no true evidence, evidence that Constantine was ever born again title given to Constantine was Pontifus Maximus or the head of the state clergy you know that's how paganism and heathenism and idol worship offering incenses incense and all the practice of the romans were brought into the churches the worshipers of the statues of roman gods and goddesses an emperor statue of the emperor including the Cybele, the goddess and goddesses, God's name, Sibylle, Apollo, and Asclepius, and Aphrodite, and Zeus now became the worshippers of saints, including the heavenly Queen Mary, the mother of Jesus. Out of this alliance between the Roman Emperor and the Christian Church came the birth of Roman Catholicism. The result of the church in Pergamum compromising with the world is the birth of Roman Catholicism. You know imagine the effect of the compromise the church made, church of Pergamum and the church of Thyatira, they all made with the world was resulting in the birth or is in fact taking the church into the dark era from 4th century to 16th century until Martin Luther came. And he started the protestant reformation. And even today we know millions of people are deceived by Satan on the name of Christianity. Worshipping idols and worshipping humans as God. You know we saw church started compromising to the world even at the early stage of the Christian history. Jesus warned about it and and apostles they wrote about it regarding the attack the church is going to gain get at some point of time satan even tried his different tactics to make children of god compromised with the world you know it was as we know it was satan's desire to destroy the church by various mechanisms by various means And I I believe we talked quite a bit of it. And let's quickly do a review on what, how early church slipped into them, into compromise, making compromise with the world. As we know, Satan, at the time of Jesus Christ, Satan entered into Judas. And he made him to betray Jesus Christ. And he tried the same thing with Peter and he threw fear into his life and he made Peter to deny Jesus Christ. Satan thought he gained victory when Jesus died at the cross, when Jesus was crucified at the cross. After resurrection, Satan turned his focus towards the church, and he saw the church was thriving and it was growing, and he sent persecution to the church, thinking that they can destroy, he can destroy, the, destroy Christianity. And as we see in the book of Revelation, Satan started living. In the city where the church of Pergamos was located, what of God says? It was the city of Satan, where Satan has his throne. In the city of Pergamos, Satan was establishing his throne, and he tried to destroy the people of Pergamum by allowing them, by making them to follow the God, the doctrines which were not godly. And even in the church of Thyatira, that is at another church in the book of Revelation, Satan came and found place, in fact he found now inside the church of Thyatira in the form of Jezebel. Who called herself as a prophetess and brought immorality and idol worship inside the church. So Satan thought he can completely destroy the church and Satan made the church to slowly compromise with the world and he brought world inside the church and finally Satan decided to permanently establish his throne inside the church as Constantine brought world into the church Now we took for Martin Luther for his entire life to liberate the church from the hands of Satan You know there are many efforts have gone through already. That's the reason today we are able to worship God Almighty in the true sense. Totally the Bible was lost. Totally the the, the, the theology was lost. Everything was lost when church went went into the, you know, into this uh, dark era. But now, by the grace of God, someone could stand for the truth and he could bring uh, people out of this darkness. Now since that point of time, Satan you know, he doesn't really worry about Those people who are still compromising with the world, those who are still worshiping idols, those who are still worshiping human gods and goddesses, Satan doesn't really worry about them. That's the reason they are thriving, they are flourishing today on this earth. But instead, Satan focused, uh, Satan turned his attention towards those remnant who moved out of that. Compromised church and they are Trying to live godly they are trying To stand for the truth today That's where the focus of Satan is Today and today Satan is Trying his level best how To destroy the remnant who are called Out of the world Into a life that is totally Separated and sanctified And in fact that lives Are prepared as a bride For the coming king That's where the attention and the focus of Satan is today you know as we end the introduction for this topic today let's look at some, of, some more aspects regarding compromise how does it start even in our lives how we start compromising to this world you know one doesn't start compromising outwardly by falling into sin or denying Jesus Christ outwardly most of the time compromise starts as a small little thing that we deviate from the standards you know at times settling down for substandard things in our lives or inferior things in our lives which are little little away little deviation from the standard the word of god states you know someone said uh, you know, at times we settle down for small things someone said do not settle down for Ishmael when you can get when you can have Isaac you know such small things we try to settle down in our lives and that's the time we see we slip away from the standards of God and we start compromising with the world at times we get accustomed to an atmosphere you know, that is comfortable to us Sometimes you know people are going comfortable in going to the churches where there is no one bothers about them or no one even talks to them. No one has anything to say to them. You know, no two-edged sword is applied to their throat. You know, they don't receive anything. They don't there is no conviction. There is no commitment. You know, no persecution, no, cross to carry in their lives everything goes smoothly people are comfortable and going to that kind of churches and worshipping God. On the other day, someone was telling me, you know, we go to the church because nobody knows whether we come or go. No one knows about us. But, you know, that, that's the reason we just go and then we slowly slip away at the end of the service. You know, it's so true that people are so comfortable in living in such places where you know nobody is trying to do anything with them. And eventually, we slowly slip out of the boundaries that we are not supposed to you know cross over and fall into the traps of the enemy so compromise doesn't come all of a sudden it slowly starts in our lives and it doesn't really come outwardly it most of the time it starts inwardly we become times complacent to the situation and we start take taking we start you know taking things lightly, you know, that's how come we start compromising. Compromising it really starts in our mind, before it starts, before it is seen outwardly. You know, most sometimes, you know, compromise comes in our lives due to unbalanced spiritual intake you know sometimes when we take food diet in an unbalanced way it collapses our, our digestive system in the same way you know when we take spiritual food in an unbalanced way for example you know always listening to the preaching on love of God on grace of God God's mercy God's compassion Blessings, prosperity, healing, you know, most of the time we if we continue to listen to those messages, they don't, you know, balance our spiritual intake. But most of the time, you know, many times people fail to realize the demanding requirements of the gospel, the demanding requirements of holiness. Judgment and the punishment of God you know these are some of the areas probably we need to start listening to so once we have take the food you know in a balanced way it really helps us it prevents us from slipping away from God according to James 4.17 word of God says knowing what to do and not doing it is sin let's read that scripture James James chapter 4 verse 17. Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. You now sometimes we know what to be done, what is good to do. And sometimes we know it but we don't do it. It becomes a sin in our lives. Most of the compromises start within us by not doing certain things which we are supposed to do at some point of time. Now if you look back in our lives, you would have wasted years together in our lives not doing certain things when it should have been done. Not doing things which we know it is good to do, but not doing it, it becomes a sin. So compromise easily starts, not by really falling into something which we shouldn't do, but keeping us away from not doing certain things also it, it will lead to compromise. Sometimes, even spiritual lethargy, smug and apathy, and you know laziness, can eventually lead us to compromise. sometime even you know not having complete deliverance from those sins which we used to live in the past in our lives, you know those sins can be seen, you know, in in our body at times. And at times we find it, we struggle over it and we try to escape out of it. But then, you know, when we are not able to come out of it and we try to deal with it. And that's the time probably, you know, we may try to compromise to things of God. You know as I used to say you know sometimes we try to keep the sins like you know what we call it as pet sins and the bedside sins we try to keep those sins with us we tell brother I can you know come out of everything but you know only that thing I can't I can't come out of it I find it very difficult you know sometimes we, we try to keep those things and we try to continue to carry those things in our lives and we find it very difficult and slowly without our knowledge we try to compromise. Slowly losing the sensitivity for sin. You know, th- that, that, that's a, you know, that's a major thing, especially those who are trying to live godly, those who believe in the Lord and then try to follow God closely, they fall into such things. They lose the sensitivity to sin. And they lose the sensitivity to presence of God. And slowly we see, you know, uh, what is called as a spiritual numbness will come in our body. You know sometimes if you feel that the, you know, part of a body is numb, we don't know what's going on in that, in that portion of the body. And same thing is true in the spiritual sense. There's something called spiritual numbness. Until that point of time we were sensitive to that sin but now we are no more sensitive to those areas in our lives. Because spiritually we became numb. And you know eventually this spiritual numbness will lead into what is called as spiritual paralysis. Some part of our body will not function because we are no more sensitive to God. We are no more sensitive to God. We will fall slowly, eventually we will fall into those traps and we start compromising with those things. Someone said that the church will continue to compromise with the world. No matter what we try to do, church will continue to compromise with the world. Compromise is slowly growing with the churches and within the churches today. We failed, the reason why he said so is, he says, we failed to make young Christians our priority. We think we are addressing the need of young people. And he says, but try to remove the fun out of the church today. And that will tell how many youngsters are trying or even young adults, they are coming to the church because they really love the Lord. They want to really learn the word of God. They want to really follow the scripture. Try to, read, to remove the fun part out of the church and that will tell us how many of the youngsters really want to follow Christianity. They want to fall they want to, you know, walk in the ways of the Lord. Just want to, you know, before I close, I want to give a summary of the following analysis that argues one of the real problems churches are facing today. And I believe it is important because most of the time when we talk, deal with these topics, you know, we cannot limit it to ourselves. We are talking about, in general, in the church, what is going on. We need to understand that. So, you know, for that reason, I just, you know, took this analysis which was done by a man of God. His name is J. Warner Wallace. He's a, or probably he was, a Los Angeles County homicide detective. And he was also a former atheist. And he got radically converted into Christianity and he became a very close follower of Lord Jesus Christ. And he says young people are leaving the churches in their college days and return to the church as old adults. If we understand the reason why they leave the church and return, we can understand the reasons why churches struggle today. And uh, and he uh, he also makes reference to another book written by Christian Smith and Melina Denton. In their book, in the series Soul Searching, the book named The Religious and Spiritual Lives of American Teens, they write, they present the result of a survey taken why should young people are leaving the church today? And that survey says it brings 3-4 results The number one reasons why young people are leaving the church For young people it didn't make any sense anymore Church and the theology and Christianity and the word of God It really doesn't make any sense to the youngsters That's the reason, number one reasons, reason they are leaving the church Number two reason they say some stuff is too far fetched means some you know some of the areas in the word of god in the bible they are not un- they are not convincing for them to believe that's the reason they are leaving the church number 3 reason they think scientifically there is no real proof on the word of god scientifically they think they are not able to prove the word of god that's the reason they leave the churches and the youngsters also leave the church because there are too many questions they are never answered they had so many questions but then there was nobody to give proper answer to them that's the reason the majority of the youngsters they left the church and that's a trend today some of the churches if you go we don't see youngsters at all we see most of the you know, uh, uh, benches and the chairs in the beginning they are all empty and then we see elderly people sitting at the back of the church. Now when we were in US we were trying to you know, visit some of the churches because we wanted to go to Assemblies of God Church and we visited some of the Assemblies of God Churches and we found that you know, we were kind of odd there because we see only older people with grey hairs they were sitting in those churches. There is no youngsters, no children at all. You know that's true, that syndrome is too true today, we don't see many of the young people in the churches and these are some of the reasons they quoted saying that the reason why young people leave the church. Now according to 2007 Lifeway Research Study, only 35% of these church dropouts, they eventually return to church as they grow old. By the age of 30 and above, they come back to church. Again, only 35% of these youngsters, they come back to church. And the questions that was put across is, why do these few, 35% why do they return to the church? After such a long time, spending their life in the world, they come back to the church. Why do they come back to the church? The LifeWay study provides the following data. It says 51% of the returnees, they said they were influenced by or encouraged by some of their family members and friends. They said, probably you need to go back to church now. That's the reason fifty-one percentage, the majority of the people, the, the, the dropouts, they came back to church. Thirty-four percentage, they simply felt they, they liked church, then they wanted to go back to church. 34%. Age. 28% age, they felt that God was calling them to return to the church. 24% age, they had children. And they felt, probably we have children now, now children they need to you know, grow in the atmosphere, in the church atmosphere, let's take the children back to the church. 20% age, they want to get married, then they can find the proper match at the church. So they thought, okay let's go to the church and that's where probably you can find, our, find my life partner. That's the reason they came to the church. Now the real problem is, young people they left the church because they couldn't believe Christianity. Now they came back, came into the world and now they came back to this church and now the majority of them they came back to the church they came because of some of the benefits they see around the church They came back because church is a great place to get married and the church is a great place they can find a good community and the church is a great place they could raise their kids They return not because they believed in the word of God. They return not because they really love the Lord. They return not because they want to follow the word of God and now think about them, they were with the with the Lord and they went into the world, they collected all the experience they can gain in the world and they returned to the church bringing all the experience of the world and they tried to come and to the church and they tried to implement all the worldly practices into the church, you know that's a real problem the churches are going through and Warner says it is not just about reversing the trend related to the departure of young Christians, it is about securing a future church that has been immunized from compromise. You know that's a real problem the churches are going through today. They are either losing its people, young people, or when they come back they come with certain set of worldly practices and they try to bring it over to the church and try to implement it. And we can understand how much of world is found in the churches today. And churches are facing this challenge. How to prevent compromise? You know, for some of us, those who are strong in the foundation of God, it's not a problem. We don't find it as a problem. We have been hearing about it and we are, you know, taking enough precautions in our lives to bring our lives according to the Word of God or to bring our children according to the Word of God. And we are preventing our family to fall into the trap of the enemy. We know how to take care of our lives. We know how to take care of our family and our children. But our question today is, we, don't we see the churches struggling today? As they have a flavor of world in the church. And they are struggling to handle, not to know, not knowing how to handle those things. Don't we see our fellow believers and neighbors struggle through the syndrome of compromise in their lives? when a f- pagan festival comes into our community or when we when you know a celebration is going on we see christian world is involving into those pagan things as we see things around it and christians easily like, they lose their identity and they forget that they are christians anymore you know once i was um, <clears throat> in my workplace i was standing for a, a particular thing in my workplace Uh, um, You know, I was trying to explain my stand on that particular thing, but now, one of my co he was telling me, you know, you don't need to go to that extent, just relax, and just go with the flow. You know, just go with the flow. Just go with it. Why do you want to stand against and fight against it? And he was a Christian too. You know, the tendency of just going with the flow. Just, just try to do things you know, as people do things in their lives. Why do you want to you know identify yourself as a unique? You know, you want to stand out and say that no, I don't take part in all those things. Just, just close your eyes and just go with the flow. You know, that's the kind of trend and that's the kind of tendency today we see among Christianity. Compromise has been a problem. It is a kind of unseen threat to the existence of church, or it is an unseen threat to the decline of Christianity. And really I'm glad that you know we get an opportunity to really dig into this topic, to study more about this topic, to understand the demanding nature of the gospel. The extra miles you know God is asking us to go in our spiritual walk to reflect Christ every day in our life in our living. You know, the strict, the strict and the thick and the very sharp boundaries that God is asking us to establish around us. So that we know the limit up to which we can deal and we cannot cross the limit. And if we cross the limit, we will fall into the corruptions that's going on in this world. And God is helping us to find those things. You know, as we are done with the introduction of this topic in the coming days, we will be addressing some of the topic related topics in detail. We will try to cover some of the following items you know, as I have listed a few of them here. We will talk about the spirit of compromise. The spirit of Jezebel which was found in the church of Thyatira. We are going to talk about the spirit of compromise in detail. The temptation that came to Jesus to compromise. We will talk about that in detail. Jesus' reaction to the religion or the temple of God That compromise by making the house of prayer into the den of thieves. And how Jesus reacted in that situation. We will also talk about the compromise of holiness. Compromise of giving. Compromise of the doctrines. And many other topics in the coming days.